Shalom, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end where we're also going to share an exciting opportunity. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. Um, this week I have the distinction of doing something um, twice in terms of the theme of the uh, this week's episode, um, both relating to hostages uh, that, that Hamas kidnapped um, now just over three months ago. Um, last week we spoke about it on a much more theoretical basis, and honestly, as I prepare to introduce our guest, I, I'm choked up. I have tears in my eyes. It's very hard for me to have this conversation. Um, Rachel Goldberg is the mother of Hirsch Goldberg Poland. Um, he was kidnapped uh, along with nearly 250 other people on October 7th. And everything that we know, Rachel, I'm gonna really just like you dig in and tell us what we do what we do know or what we need to know. Um, Hirsch is still in Gaza um, now nearly a hundred days later. And that's why we're having this conversation because of something special initiative that you are uh, that you're doing. Um, as I said to you before we started recording, Rachel, and I really mean it so sincerely, I really regret that we're meeting like this under this circumstance. You've been all over social media, um, heroic in many, many ways um, that I don't that I wish you didn't have to be doing uh, right now. But I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your voice and and your candor in uh, in joining us and everything that you're doing that's so public to bring Hirsch home and everyone else. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Rachel, can you start? Just tell us about Hirsch. I know he's your oldest, yeah? Right. Hirsch is our eldest. He's also our only son. And uh, he had just turned 23 on October 3rd. Um, and we also have two daughters. We have a 20-year-old daughter named Libby and an 18-year-old named Orly. And um, talking about Hirsch as every parent in the world, talking about our children is one of our favorite things. Um, Hirsch is a curious, respectful, gentle, funny with a sarcastic, dark sense of humor, but it doesn't go over to being mean, which I think is somewhat difficult. It's challenging to be sarcastic without <laughs> being mean, um, but he manages. He is wild about soccer. He loves music and he loves travel. And in fact, he loves to combine music and travel. So he had this past summer for nine weeks, he went camping in Europe by himself uh, to six different countries that had six different music festivals wow. and uh, made friends from all over the world. Um, he's He has been obsessed with geography since first grade. He had a wonderful first grade teacher who really lit the fire in him and the other students about geography. And so since first grade, every birthday, every Hanukkah, any excuse for a present, he always wanted a map or an atlas or a globe. Uh, at the beginning of first grade, he requested a subscription to National Geographic magazine. So we got him the junior version because, you know, he was in first grade. And at the end, when it was running out, he came to us with the little card. Remember, magazines used to come and have a little card saying, yeah, yeah. Your subscription's running out. And he came to us and he said, we have to get this again, but this one is beneath me. I need the real National Geographic. First grade, so, he said this to you. At the end of first grade. So at the end of first grade, he started to get the real legit National Geographic. But so he's been planning traveling the world since he was a little boy. 
And he actually had a ticket um, for December 27th, uh, just a few weeks ago, that was going to take him to the Far East, starting in India at a music festival. And he was going to travel the world for the next year or two. He had an open-ended ticket. And uh, we were so praying he would get home in time to be able to go on that trip. And on December 27th, two days after Christmas, we went to the airport here in Tel Aviv and with 50 people. And we gave stickers of Hirsch to all the people who were getting on that flight and on other flights going to the Far East. And we said, put up his sticker wherever you go wow. so that when he finally gets there, he'll see that he's already there. Um, That's super so, meaningful. Yeah, it was, uh, we we had a lot of support that day from people from all over the world. And already people have been taking pictures and sending them to us. People from places all over the world saying, we're waiting for you. And on our uh, Instagram, bring Hirsch home. We're on all the social channels, which is all new to me. You should know, Jonathan. I mean, I'm I'm old. I didn't, I don't even have Facebook before 94 days ago. Um, and, but we were told by, thank God, by young people, you know, in order to spread this and to get support and to make Hirsch known, you have to use these social media channels. So anyway, we had, um, uh, you know, this, uh, these people are now sending us pictures from all over the world saying, come on, Hirsch, we're waiting for you. We're in Vietnam. Come on. Wow. We're in Thailand. Catch up. Um, so that's a little slice of, of my Hirsch. That's lovely. Um, and he went down. I, I, I was watching just by chance. Uh, I think it was an early video of yours when you were speaking in New York, talking about how um, oh, I lost my train of thought there in terms of his in terms of his travel and um, that he had left that it was it was about three in the morning. Right. Before it was the Friday night. You had just had Shabbat dinner with friends here in Jerusalem. And then he took off to go down to the music festival. Do you want to well, share? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. I mean, I can tell you about that. The timing's a little off. He didn't leave here at three in the morning. He left me at 11 at night. I'm 11, not up 11, at three correct. in the morning. <laughs> so, um, we had gone as a family. We went to synagogue Friday night. We always go as a family, the five of us. We walk to our synagogue. It's about an 18 or 20 minute walk. And the kids always joke with me because that's my favorite time of the week because we don't use our phones on the Sabbath. Right. Um, and so it's a time where for 18 to 20 minutes, we're just talking together and walking together. And we went to synagogue. It was also the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah, which is the holiday when we finish reading the entire Torah, the entire uh, Old Testament. And we roll it back to the very beginning. And so everyone at synagogue dances with the Torah. It's a very happy holiday. Yeah. And we were all together and people at synagogue were happy to see him because as I mentioned, he had been away for nine weeks, um, you know, traveling Europe. So, and then afterwards we went to Shabbat dinner to the Sabbath dinner uh, that was at friends. And uh, we had a normal, happy, good time. There were two families there, three total and at about 11 o'clock, Hirsch had brought with his camping backpack. He had told us, um, I'm going to come with you to synagogue and to dinner, but then I'm going to meet one of his best friend's names uh, was Honor Shapira. And he said, Honor and I are going to go camp out for my birthday and go do something fun. And we said, great. And around 11 o'clock, he kissed me. He kissed John. He even hugged our hostess, which I was really proud of because I said, see, he's such a good boy. Mm. And he turned around right before he left and he said, love you. See you tomorrow. Was and that I, unusual how he did that? Not or, at all. No, okay. not at all. But what's unusual is that it was 94 days ago. Right. So what happened is I woke up uh, Saturday morning. My husband left for synagogue at 730. I was having a cup of tea in our kitchen and right around eight o'clock, I heard bomb sirens going off. We live in Jerusalem and that's unusual actually for us. So I went to wake up my girls who were still asleep. We were going to meet John at synagogue, but not quite that early. Um, 
And I woke them up and we quickly got into our bomb shelter, which is located in our apartment. Right. It's actually Hirsch's bedroom. Okay. It's a it's a, a fortified room. And we waited the 10 minutes, which you're supposed to wait when you hear a bomb siren. We didn't hear any explosions. So after 10 minutes, we came out, which is the protocol. And although, as I mentioned, I normally don't use my phone on the Sabbath, but in a case of life or death, you're allowed to break the Sabbath. And I knew Hirsch and Onair were camping out somewhere. So I ran to get my phone to check if they're okay, because I had no idea where the bombs were dropping and where the boys were. And I turned on my phone at 8.20 and two text messages popped up from 8.11. They both came in at 8.11 to a group that's of John, my husband, and Hirsch and me, just the three of us. The first text said, I love you. And the second immediate text after that said, I'm sorry. And I immediately knew something horrible was unfolding or was about to unfold because I don't know anyone, any young man, kid who's 23, who's going to write at 8.11 in the morning when they're at a music festival, you know, not just I love you, which would have been okay, unusual, but okay, maybe he suddenly loves us at (laughs) 8.11 in the morning when he's been up all night dancing. Um, But I'm sorry was clear. Immediately, I knew that my, you know, my throat closed, my stomach clenched up, as every parent can imagine. And I knew that he knew something terrible was going to happen and was going to cause us tremendous pain, tremendous worry. Um, And we ended up finding out that, uh, you know, when the massacre occurred uh, early Saturday morning, Uh, Hirsch and Onair and two other kids managed to escape to a roadside bomb shelter. They were hiding in it with um, a total of 29 kids from the music festival hiding in a shelter that my husband went and measured. It's eight feet by five feet. Right. That's very cramped. Uh, So they're mashed in there. Yeah. And they're hiding because the massacre started to take place at the camping ground where the music festival was. They jumped in their car and tried to escape, but they the roads were blocked and Hamas was shooting at point blank range, everyone who was coming up the road. So then there was a massive traffic jam because there were all these cars with right. dead drivers and right. dead passengers. So the kids made a U-turn and tried to go south and then tons of rockets were falling. So that's when they went running into the bomb shelter for cover. Hamas descended upon that bomb shelter and started to throw in hand grenades, which Anir was standing in the doorway, and he was picking them up and throwing them out as fast as he could. And he managed to pick up and throw out seven hand grenades, which we actually have video footage of that from a dash cam. Yeah, I've seen that. One of the, right, from one of the Hamas cars. And um, tragically, on the eighth one, it exploded on him, and uh, Anir was killed. And then uh, Hamas came and fired an RPG into this tiny room, which killed a lot more. And then they came in and were spraying uh, machine gun fire. And so most of those young people were dead, of those 29 were dead. Many of them were grievously wounded. Uh, Four lucky ones were trapped under the dead bodies. And it was from them that we found out the eyewitness accounts because they were able to pretend to be dead. They were covered yeah. in blood and they were on the bottom. Uh, three of the boys were were wounded and slumped against the wall on the other side of this tiny room, but clearly alive. And Hamas came in and said to these three boys, uh, young men, you know, stand up and come outside. And when they stood up, all these witnesses told us that Hirsch's arm from the elbow down had been blown off. Um, he had somehow managed in the couple minutes of there was a lot of smoke. They said from all the explosions that were happening in this room, there was a lot of smoke. And there there were a few minutes where they let the smoke and dust settle before Hamas entered. So during that settling, it seems that Hirsch tied something around the wound because all of the witnesses said they saw that there was some sort of fabric. He was wearing a sleeveless shirt. Right. So they could see that there was something tied around his arm. They were ordered to go outside. They were put on a Hamas pickup truck, which took off in the direction of Gaza. And 
Hirsch's last cell phone signal was picked up in inside of Gaza at 10.25 in the morning, Saturday morning, October 7th. And then subsequently, and luckily, a week later, we were being interviewed by Anderson Cooper of CNN. Right. Who at the end said, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, and good luck. And then a second after we stopped being live, he said, you guys, I'm going to call you now. And we thought, that's weird. Nobody else has ever said that. And he called and he said, I have footage of Hirsch being abducted because he had been working on a documentary about the music festival and he had gone down to that area and a GoPro camera had fallen off of the helmets of one of the people who did the abduction. And the Anderson Cooper team was privy to that. They saw the footage and they shared that footage with us. And so that's where we got confirmation. You know, we had heard from the eyewitnesses, but until you actually see it, it wasn't 100% known what happened. And so we see Hirsch in the footage, Yeah. you know, walking from this bomb shelter on his own two feet. He did not lose consciousness. He gets himself into the truck. I mean, he's at gunpoint, but he's not, you know, no one's dragging him. And as he goes to turn around, that's when you see the stump of yeah. what used to be his left arm and you uh, see jagged bone sticking out um, from beneath the uh, the bandage that he had managed to put on. And that was uh, 94 days ago and another universe ago. Right. And um, And that's what we know. Have you heard anything about Hirsch from any of the hostages who've been released? So thankfully, 105 hostages were released. However, um, I think as you you might know, uh, that deal was orchestrated for women, children, and babies. Correct. And most hostages were held with people they were taken hostage with. Okay. So the problem is that the women, children, and babies were taken from the kibbutzim, from the, the communities that, you know, where they were pulled out of their right. beds or pulled out of their living rooms. And so they had not seen Hirsch or any of the other it's almost 50 kids who were kidnapped from this music festival. 367 were killed Correct. or massacred in the in the field, in the camping ground, and almost 50. They're not sure because they there's still a, a few that they're not 100% sure. Are they missing? Are they kidnapped? Are they, you know, but it's a, right around 45, 45 to 50. And so the only three from the music festival who were released were a brother and sister who were dragged from their car. Remember I mentioned that they there were people who were shot in their cars and um, one young man who was a security guard at the camping ground and he was dragged from the camping ground. So the fact that they didn't see Hirsch or any of the other young men who were taken from that bomb shelter, we were told is not really unusual right because okay. they probably weren't held anywhere near him um or with him okay so that's you know unfortunately that's what we know got it um rachel i want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about what you've been doing your advocacy to to, to bring your son home uh but we'll take we'll come back in just a minute friends israel's at war and the war may get worse before it gets better much worse. It's going to be a long war because the enemy is the epitome of evil. It's not just a matter of overcoming troops on a battlefield, but overcoming a theology, an ideology, an evil one. While the Genesis 123 Foundation has been overwhelmed with the support of so many donations to the Israel emergency campaign, there's so much more that needs to be done. We've invested your donations that we've received so far strategically to make the biggest impact possible, whether helping with soldiers and their equipment and personal needs, to providing civilian security for outlying border communities, to relocating and settling several families from near the Gaza war zone, launching the global petition drive to support Israel in the face of pressure for a ceasefire and long-term needs for at-risk children, traumatized now more than ever before. 
please take a moment to pause this conversation right now and go to love.genesis123.co and donate generously. We value your trust and we will keep all donors informed about how and where your donations are being used to contribute to make the biggest impact possible. And when you use that link, love.genesis123.co, you can also send your prayers and words of encouragement to Israelis of all backgrounds, just sending your love, something that we need so desperately. Thank you, and God bless you and your loved ones. You mentioned that Hirsch loves to travel, um, and God willing, he'll be home soon and recover in all the ways that he needs to recover and be able to catch up with all those incredible stickers that are all over the world. It's so moving. Um, I think the first time I saw you was speaking in New York, perhaps at the United Nations. I don't recall where. It's a very powerful um, speech, very powerful. And, and, and especially under the circumstances, how composed you were and are and, and seem to always remain, at least in public, is extraordinary. But you've also been traveling the world. You met the Pope. Um, I, I don't even know. I can't begin to keep up. But can you talk about not the travels, but what's been most helpful and what's been most frustrating as you're going around the world? So you are correct that on day 18, I had been asked to speak at the United Nations in New York. You know, I'm just a mom and I'm a teacher. I'm not a politician, a diplomat, uh, you know, in any way was this my milieu to enter into this world. But as as any parent would do, you know, this is a very primal, innate reaction, maternal reaction to my son's life is in someone else's hands and I have to run to the ends of the earth to try to save him. And so immediately when I was asked if I would speak at the UN, I said yes. And uh, the speech, which, you know, you can you can Google the speech. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, notes so people right. can It's easy, watch. you know. Um, I wrote that speech on the airplane on the way to New York. Mm. Um, and I just spoke from the heart. And yeah. um, look, I, I'm very much also still going through... This is a 94-day slow-motion trauma for us. Um, we ended up from there being, you know, I, we've spoken to anyone who will speak to us. We have spoken to President Biden. We have spoken to U.S. Secretary of State Blinken. We have spoken to over 50 senators. We have, or we've spoken to, to almost all 50 senators. Um, or no, there are 100 senators. We've senators spoken from to every 50. state. Okay. We, right. <laughs> Can you tell us I haven't slept in 93 nights? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was asked to go meet the Pope. I went to meet the Pope. I was asked to meet Elon Musk. I went to meet Elon Musk. I was asked to meet different uh, people in the war cabinet in Israel. I did that. And I've met different people in the Israeli government. I've met seven governors from America. I've met delegations of African uh, representatives uh, from many different countries in Africa. Um, you know, I don't know what the stone is going to be that we turn over that's going to be the linchpin. Listen, I'm a religious person. I believe that, you know, and, and something that's given me tremendous strength and solace has been prayer. Uh, during this time, I believe that, you know, this will come from above, that this will come from God, but I don't know what the vessel will be. So I have to go everywhere. Wow, I I like know what, you know, I don't know what God's plan is. So I don't know if, if is it the Pope? Is it, uh, you know, this nice young woman who came to my door with cookies? Is it the person who is the aide? to the uh, diplomat, to that weird country that I think doesn't like Israel, but at the UN said, hey, come in this room and let me have a conversation with you. Like, I don't know. So, so we're, you know, we're open to anything because we're so hopeful be. 
hopeful. And, and I will say that, you know, um, the Christian community has been amazing to us in so many ways. And, and really in a very human way, when you say, you know, like, who have you met? And like, who have you heard from? It's the regular people who write to us. It's the people who, we got over a hundred thousand pictures of people's Christmas dinner table with a seat for Hirsch. No kidding. With a plate with his name on it. We wow. have pictures of candles with Hirsch's kidnapped picture that you can, you know, download from the, they have a bring them home website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had it on the altar of their church on Christmas Eve at mass, at midnight mass. Like this, these beautiful gestures are what give us hope in a world where we have no air to breathe. You know, when, when I went to see the Pope, he told me something that really helped me. He said, what you've experienced is terrorism and terrorism is the absence of humanity. And no one had said that to me yet. And so I had been so distraught because not only am I in this constant state of angst, anxiety, despair, fear, trauma, terror, but I also had lost faith in humanity yeah. by what had happened, you know, on the 7th of October. And the Pope was the one who said to me, no, what you experienced was the absence of humanity. And it allowed me to have hope that we can get through this. We, as all humans, can get through this. It's not only a encouraging statement for you personally, but it also shows that he was really in the moment with you. It wasn't a peripheral conversation. It was, you know, he spoke to this small group of us who came to tell him about our loved ones. And, you know, and he also met with Palestinians afterwards, as he should have, because, you know, there's a place to meet with everyone who's hurting. For him, he wanted to be fair and he wanted to be neutral. And still, he gave us a lot of strength. Okay. Um, what's been most frustrating? Obviously, Hirsch being kidnapped and not knowing and not sleeping. Um, your world is well, upside down. Definitely. Um, I think the thing that's most frustrating, I mean, there are a few things. Number one is um, people say to me all the time, leaders, important people, I'm putting up, you know, quotes, quotes, quote, yeah. quotes, important people who say, oh, we want him home so badly. We want him home. We want him home. And what I've come to discover is wanting and doing uh -huh. are two different things. So you can say you want these hostages home because that gets you out of actually doing anything to get the hostages home. Wow. But it gives you cover because it's the right thing to say because we feel that, look, we feel we've failed. We have failed him. We, he is not We, wrong. his parents? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we think to ourselves, look, we're working 18 to 20 hours a day. We we are like manic from the moment we wake up until we go to sleep. And there's no real sleep. You know, our family doctor had to prescribe pills like horse pills that knock us out for three or four hours is a good night. Yeah, I understand. Um, because I think at a certain point, the psyche won't allow you to go deeper into your sleep when you're in a state of terror. And um and we feel that we have failed him. We feel the world's governments have failed these people. There's 136 people. These are civilians who are dragged from their beds, grandfathers, you know, one-year-old baby. Music festival. We have an 11-month-old baby. I mean, it's just, it's, so we feel frustrated that how is this possible that we can't figure out how to get these people back? So that's been very frustrating. And the other frustrating part is that I don't think the world still to this day on day 94 really understands what the constellation is. Who is, who is the cohort that was kidnapped? Who were those 240 people? You know, they don't realize they were from 
33 countries all over the world. They were Jews, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus. They were, as you mentioned, in an age range of 87 years. I mean, it's frustrating to me because I feel that if those 240 people from those 33 nations, from those five religions spanning 87 years, if they had been kidnapped and taken to Kansas, the entire world would be in Kansas trying to rescue them. Right. The same way a few years ago when people, when remember that like soccer team or something of Thai. Oh, sure. Where they team, fell under the ground. They, they were underwater in some weird cave. Yeah. And you had everybody on planet Earth going to try to save these boys because it's not okay that these innocent kids are trapped under the Earth. And somehow these people, thank God we got out, you know, 105, but there are still 136. And they're there and it's dangerous and they're dying. We know they're dying. Of the 136, we know for sure that 23 are dead. We've had confirmation 23 are dead. And who knows, you know. Who knows what we don't know. There's more, you know, right? We don't know what we don't know. And so, um, you know, it's obviously terrifying. What, What if you were the boss of it all? What would you do to to fix it, to to ensure that obviously your son, but there are 135 others and 20, uh, two dozen who, who are who aren't dead and who need to be brought home so their families can have closure and be buried properly? What would you do? What is there an answer? Well, I loved what we did last time. I thought it was really productive when we had the pause in order to, first of all, get aid in humanitarian pause that will stop for 10 10 days or so yes um because it was helpful to get humanitarian aid into gaza there are hundreds of thousands of gazans who are also suffering yeah and they did need humanitarian aid and so i thought it was it worked very well i knew it was held together by the most fragile delicate thread and at any moment it could fall apart. But listen, we got back, you know, over a hundred innocent people. And it was really amazing. You know, they had told us before the release, they said, this is just for women and children and babies. So we didn't expect Hirsch to come out. Okay. So there was no nervousness. You know, we would watch each night and it was like the most exciting thing in the world because we know these families now, you know, we've become this giant family in desperation, desperate pain, but we are a sort of a family. And so when we saw, you know, oh my gosh, that's our friend so-and-so's wife and his daughter. And then we saw this other man's, you know, sister and his niece come out, you know, it was the one whisper of, of happiness, of relief that we had in, at that point, it had been about 50 days. So, um, you know, I thought that that worked so well, and I would love for something like that. I know that, you know, 85% of the civilian population in Gaza is currently displaced from their homes. It's total chaos and pandemonium. Let's do a pause. Let's let's let humanitarian aid get in, and let's let human beings get out. You know, um, it's it's very frustrating as well. You know, the International Red Cross has not been helpful at all to the hostages, which has been a huge disappointment. Is is, um, not, is saying not being helpful a kind way of saying it, or is it actually worse than that, what I'm hearing? Have well, they been I don't constructive? know. I, I don't know. I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay. you know, for the first four weeks, my husband was calling them in Geneva, in New York, in London, in Tel Aviv, every day saying, what is going on? You have to get in there. And I might mention as well, physicians uh, for human rights, doctors without borders. You know, it wasn't just, we, we didn't, we're not brand loyal. We wanted any humanitarian aid organization on planet earth to go and see these people. Yeah. 
again, who were babies, who were elderly, they had a Holocaust survivors they were holding, who we knew had been shot because there was video of them being shot, these elderly people. We wanted to know who is going to go in and help them. And, you know, initially they just kept saying, we're here on the border. We want to go in. Hamas won't let us in. And it might, and that's where I do, you know, say I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they wanted to get in, they couldn't get in. On the other hand, I I also think when there's really truly a will, there is a way. Um, when John and I were in Geneva, because I ended up ask, being asked to speak again at the UN, but this time in Geneva, which was just a few weeks ago, um, on the uh, anniversary of the um, Declaration for Human Rights, which was. 75 years. Um, and so I went and I gave a, a speech there also at the UN. And then we went to meet with the ICRC because we were there in person. So we yeah. went in them and we were coming up with ideas. We were saying, listen, we want Gazan civilians treated and you are treating them and you should be treating them. But for every hundred of Gazan civilians that you see say we have to see one hostage, yeah. you know, make some sort of deal. Don't withhold humanitarian medical aid to them. But if you're going in to give medical aid to innocent civilians in Gaza, there are also innocent civilians in Gaza named Hirsch, named Itai, named Ido, named David, you know, like go and see some of these right. other and and they just wouldn't hear of it. Um, and that's when it sort of started to get a little bit frustrating because I feel like, well, then you must not want, and I don't understand why, okay. because again, it's different than, let's say someone hates French people. You hate all French people. You have a big gripe with French people and you hear there are 45 French people being held hostage somewhere. So you don't care because you don't like French people. The people remaining in Gaza right now are still from almost 20 different nations. They're still from all five of those religions I listed. They're now, the oldest person is only 85 because they did release the 87 and 86 year old woman in the, uh, you know, 50 days right. ago. So it's frustrating because I, again, think that the world doesn't understand who these people are. You know, there are Muslim Arabs being held Correct. hostage. And and yet the world is turning a blind eye to them. Horrible. Rachel, let's take uh, one last break and come back and begin to wrap up. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth-shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in-depth insight into Israel's history and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one-of-a-kind, high-end coffee table book, Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all, to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel, knowing that the proceeds will go to bless Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the Miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Rachel, you're, you and John are American citizens. You moved here. We moved 15? here 15 years ago in 2008, right, right before Hirsch's eighth birthday. Right. Um, Hirsch is an American citizen. Are you, what, what's your feeling vis-a-vis -vis the U.S.? You've met President Biden. You've met Secretary of State Blinken and others here and in America, all the senators, what's, what's your sense in terms of an American response to help your son? Well, I certainly have felt emotionally supported from the get-go um, 
from the top down, really from President Biden on down and from Congress and everyone has been so emotionally supportive. But at this stage, 94 days in, I don't want emotional support. I want real action. And I do think that they are working really hard behind the scenes. I don't know that they can reveal to us what they're working on, you know, because they, I think they are trying not only to secure release for American hostages. I mean, now we're only down to six because we had eight, but we found out that Judy and Haggai are two of the um, hostages who are dead now. Right, right. Um, So, you know, we have six hostages left. And I think they're also trying desperately, the the American government is trying to help free all of these hostages. They're all human beings. And on the other hand, you know, obviously each country has a first priority and obligation to their own people, um, even though everyone is human and everyone is a person. Um, but we are just at this point, and most of the families uh all, you know, 133 families, we we see each other a lot and we say, there's one girl now uh, on Saturday nights who always carries a sign that says, enough with the hugs, give me my sister. Wow. You know, it's like, bottom so line. That's what's, yeah, so it's hard because I do believe, I do believe that Biden and Blinken and all these, you know, everyone who's working tenaciously, they're trying so hard. And I, and I also think that the people, you know, in the Israeli, you know, intelligence uh, world and in the army and in in uh, David Barnea, who's going, you know, from the Mossad, who's who's um, helping negotiate. I really believe that they are all giving it 100 percent. I don't okay. think it's just lip service. I really don't. I think Bill Burns in America is outstanding. I think uh, Jake Sullivan is outstanding. I just think we've got to, you know, be unwavering and we've got to be super creative. And I think we have to think out of the box. I think, you know, we just, uh, something's not, I mean, I took blame myself and I think I'm working, look, it's my kid. I'm working my butt off every single day. We haven't taken a day off. I haven't, I have not worn makeup. I have not put on jewelry. I have not cooked anything in 94 days. I have not watched TV. I have not listened to music. I I don't do anything but try to save my son's life. And I have failed. We have all failed. All of us, our governments, our community, the parents, everybody, because they are not home. So when people say to me, you're doing every single thing right, you know, everyone we meet with, I say, what else should we be doing? Like, what are we missing? Who do we need to talk to? And they always say, you are doing everything absolutely right. Keep doing what you're doing. And I think we're not doing everything right because he's not home. They're not home. If Hirsch came home tomorrow, would you feel like you still failed this whole time? No. If he came home tomorrow, I would be absolutely thrilled. And I would keep working my butt off until the very last person. Of course. Um, And I would it's a great question because it's it's actually really wise to say you know to expect that that success comes without work right and, and i remember reading a quote a long time ago that says the only place in the world where success comes before work is in the dictionary <laughs> and so the truth is you're right that I should be, I don't know when is going to be that day. Right. All I could tell you is, Jonathan, I would love to have you meet him when he gets back. That the right. next time I see you, that and the next time we have a conversation and, uh, you know, our our good friends, our, all of your listeners who listen to this could hear my beautiful Hirsch's voice talking to them. I I will I will absolutely look forward to that. And I'll take it a step further. I know that there's uh, one of the hostages, one of the women who was released, um, also kidnapped at the at the music festival, put a tattoo on that something we're going to keep dancing. Um, I, maybe uh, maybe if it's appropriate next year on the anniversary of October 7th, we can do a concert um, with Hirsch as MC and uh, 
Amen. And celebrate that. Um, but I, that'll be an honor. Um, yeah, that'll be an honor when he's home and we can, and we can do that. Um, what you, 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 you know what I want to mention because you, you, I'm so glad you, you've spoken about the UN, the Red Cross and all the heads of countries and everyone that you're meeting. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but early on, I don't even remember how long ago, it hasn't taken off the way I want it to. And actually it's funny, uh, not in the same level, probably for sure. I feel like I'm not saying a failure, but not yet a success. Um, we we launched a petition, which got a lot of visibility recently. And the petition, people say, oh, what are you going to write to Hamas and tell them that that by, because we have 400,000 names that they should suddenly uh, okay. magnanimously let everyone go? No, but the petition is actually to the Red Cross and the United Nations and the heads of the G7 and the heads of every country whose nationals were taken hostage on uh, and basically saying, we all, every single one counts. It's bother. It's been bothering me a lot on Israeli media that we speak only of Israeli and Jewish hostages because we can't. I, I, I'm very sensitive to that. And also one of the uh, Tanzanians who was uh, killed. Um, so I, because of my work with the Genesis 123 Foundation, I've got a huge network of Christian supporters in Africa and a dear friend in Tanzania who was present at the funeral of Felix Matenga and and spoke at the funeral because he was being received as an honored guest on behalf of Israel. And I feel we have that imperative. So I want to give a shameless plug, of course, for people to sign the petition. And we haven't figured out when we're going to present it. And maybe that's a conversation you and I can have offline, Rachel, because it needs to be something dramatic and not, not just sending an email. Um, and, and I digress because I wanted to ask you, you you properly spoke about all the support specifically from Christians. You know that this is a podcast that we do that gear, is geared toward Christians. Is there a specific message that you would have to Christians who are listening today, what they need to know, what they need to do? Well, you know, I want to, you brought up something very important, which, uh, you know, I spoke at a rally in Washington, D.C. Uh, yes, you did. Right. And it was to 300,000 people in right. person, but it's been viewed uh, millions of times. And I spoke only about two hostages. I mentioned Hirsch at the beginning because I'm his mother. Yes. I said, you know, I'm the mother of Hirsch Goldberg Poland. And, and then, but the two hostages I spoke about were a little girl who was um, orphaned before being taken hostage. And she was being held as a three-year-old by herself. And she was American. And I spoke about Joshua Molel, oh. who was a young, black, African Christian man yeah. with a beautiful smile yeah. who was taken hostage. And the reason I knew about Joshua is because when I was in New York, I saw his poster torn off the, off the oh, wall hard. and on the ground. And I, I thought, oh, they didn't have good tape. I didn't understand that it had been torn down. So I picked it up to put it back on. And I thought, who is this beautiful young man, this 21-year-old young man, Joshua Malel? So I then Googled him later and saw that he was this young, uh, as I said, Black African Christian man who had come for a graduate degree in agribusiness so that he could go back to his country, that yeah. he was on a program with 260 other Tanzanians. Right. And um, and that's an example of the, um, you know, ignorance of who the population was and and who the population is. And sadly, Joshua was also we now have a video of him of of him being killed. Um, I didn't know and uh, yes, and dragged out um there's a video of it and it's horrible. His father said, I hate that this is out in the world, this video. And they're screaming as they're dragging him after they kill him. Jew, Jew, Jew. It's, it's, um, I, I didn't know all of that, but my friend Bishop Uma, who was attending, who attended Felix Matenga's funeral and spoke there, mentioned in his comments that we he would have thought, but just by virtue of their skin color, that they that the terrorists would let them go because they're not directly party to the 
conflict, whatever that means. And what they've learned is that it's is that guilty by association. And well, and don't forget there are over there were over uh, forty Thai, Thai nationals um, and Nepalese. Um, I mean, everyone. It, it's just um, a real global humanitarian catastrophe. Um, and you asked specifically about the Christian community. Yeah. Um, I forgot what the question was. What would you? What's your specific message to Christians who are oh. listening now? What do oh. they need to know? What do they need to do? Right. So number one, I have to truly thank you because as I've mentioned, we've had so many beautiful, remarkable words of support and love. And that's what we need. You know, we as just, I'm talking about as a family, that's been amazing. Uh, something that we're asking people that's super important immediately is every single day, every single morning, call the White House. It takes Good. 30 seconds. Good. You call Google the um, White House comments line or no. the White House switchboard. And while you're boiling your water for your coffee <laughs> or this morning, you just call and you say, it's day 94. There's still 136 hostages, six of whom are American citizens. I am not okay with it. The end. The end. And, then, and then you've, A, you've done something. And yes. it might seem like, but I'm a drop of water. But the Grand Canyon was made with drops of water. Yes. You make a huge impact and you're our allies in this. So, you know, please use your voice to just say, I don't accept this. Or you could call your local elected officials if you're more comfortable with that. We say just go straight to the top. Uh, but we have a website called One Min A Day where you could go and enter your zip code and it will show you your local elected officials and how right. to contact them if you prefer to text them you could text them i'm a phone person more i'd rather just yeah, you know agree with get you. It off my chest and the second thing that's a real go to is on sunday when you go to church this sunday it would be the most beautiful universal humanitarian message if you do what i do every day i've yes. had i don't know if people are seeing this it's a this. piece of masking tape it looks like i yeah. put a piece of masking tape every morning with a black sharpie i write the days that my son has been stolen from me yeah. today is 94 sunday is going to be day 100 that these human beings were stolen from their families and their lives and i am trying to get we're trying to get 1 million people to get some masking tape and a black Sharpie and write the number 100 and tear it off and wear it on just above your heart on your chest. Okay. I think that the most powerful thing would be if people who are not Jewish are doing this. Yeah. I think Jewish people will do it. Um, sadly, I even think some Jewish people are saying, um, Jewish students who are experiencing such terrible anti-Semitism on their college campuses are scared to wear it on the outside. Oh, I said, it's oh. okay. It's like wearing a yellow star. Mm. And so I said, you know what? Put it on your undershirt and then put your sweatshirt over it. Yeah. It just, it, you'll know you're wearing it. The hostages somehow, somewhere will know you're wearing it. And I think it's a very powerful message. And anyone, people have already told me and taken pictures. They've started wearing it already. People have been taking selfies. They started on day 93. And and they said, and we're going to keep wearing the number until those people come home. Now, I'm I, that's a very big ask. Maybe, so if you can just do it on day 100, that's very powerful. If you want to take it on, on other days, that's wonderful. If it's not your thing, I get it. If you want to just call the White House or your local elected officials and say, I do not accept this. I do not accept this. Americans do not like when Americans are taken and held hostage in foreign countries against their will. Good. Thank you. I have on front of me a PDF that's very concise um, that that Elliot sent me, who who, who were my friend and your relative, right? Um, Hirsch's cousin. And right. um, and that's how it just just it's not even half a day ago when he called me to say, hey, can I help? And now you and I are having this conversation. I bumped this week's podcast for next week so we could have this conversation. And I'm really thrilled to do that. But I want to offer anyone who's listening and whether they're listening in this week, the week of the uh, day 100, or they're listening a month from now 
when God willing, they'll all be home. But if anyone ever wants this information, um, inf uh, inspiration from Zion at gmail.com, please just be in touch and we will um, provide this for you. Um, Rachel, just one more question. I always like to leave you with the last word, but people are going to ask me, well, how can we pray for you? Oh, you know, I really take comfort from the Psalms, the book of Psalms. I, I think it's a real self-help book. I read Psalms throughout the day. I, I pray there's a, there's sort of a formatted uh, morning prayer that Jewish people do. Right. And I do that every morning, but then I say Psalms throughout the day. And I would, and when I, before I say each Psalm, I say, this is for the release of Hirsch. I, I say his Hebrew name, uh, which is in, in the Jewish tradition, you say Hirsch son of Rachel. What's his Hebrew and, name? So his Hebrew name is Hirsch, Hirsch. And my Hebrew name is not Rachel or Rachel. My Hebrew name is actually Peril Hana, which is okay. hard. If you're, That's another so story. You can, but you know what I was going to say? God knows who Hirsch is. Correct. God knows who all those hostages are. So you can say this is in the merit that these hostages should be released. And then read a psalm. I have so many. I love Psalm 121. I love Psalm 135. I love Psalm 13, which is a really desperate one where King David is just saying, how long are you going to make me go through this? There are just so many, you know, there's the praise God ones, which are helpful at certain times. And there's the why, why help me, help me have the strength, you know, uh, Psalm 23, which is often yeah. said at a funeral. But I actually find the, the line that says, uh, my cup overfloweth wow. to be one of the most beautiful uh, phrases in all of the Bible, my cup overflows. And, you know, even in this darkest, most terrifying of times, my cup overflows. Um, and I, I just, I thank your listeners and I thank you for the opportunity. Um, and I pray, pray to God every day, so many times a day that, that let today be the last day that I'm without yeah. my son. Yeah, and I'll add to that. I pray that you quickly go into anonymity. Um, oh, I would love it. <laughs> right. I, I, I love the privilege of meeting you in person and, of course, Hirsch. But, um, yeah, that's that's one of my prayers for you. Yeah, I'd like to be. I, John, my husband, just said earlier tonight, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a boring night again? <laughs> we haven't had, you know, it's like we just want to be normal, boring people. Um, Rachel, is there anything else that I didn't ask you or that's on your heart that you want to share? Um, if somehow Hirsch is hearing this podcast, oh, because who knows who your listeners are, I always say to him, I talk to him throughout the day, and I always say, stay strong, survive. I love you. Rachel, you and John stay strong in your family. Um, and you got to take care of yourself, too somehow um yeah. thank you for for making time i know you're doing this all, not literally 24 7 but uh, but as humanly close as possible um and i didn't ex i knew this was an important conversation and it's really my privilege and my responsibility to have you as a guest today but i didn't really expect that as the name of the podcast is inspiration from zion that you were going to be as inspiring as indeed you are. So thank you for that. And I and I hope that you'll have lots of good reason for continuing inspiring, but from the other side. The flip amen. Side. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure in the way that I mean it. You know what I mean? Um, everybody who's been following Inspiration from Zion now for almost, I guess, about two and a half years knows that we have a concluding um gift and what, what we've done since we released our first book as the genesis 123 foundation last year is we're giving away a free copy of israel the miracle to one person who shares and comments on this podcast so if you haven't gone to inspiration from zion on social media please do that and like and follow us and when you comment or share especially share this uh podcast episode, we're going to pick one person at the end of January uh, to receive their own copy. And all of the reviews of Israel the Miracle have been absolutely stunning. 
Um, we're grateful to our sponsors at the Will Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area, please pop in and thank them for helping make programs like this possible. And also thank you to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and the Genesis 123 Foundation are uh, all, always made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. And necessarily, but but obviously, this episode is sponsored in the in the very, very, very soon return of all of the hostages, and especially Hirsch. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We love to hear comments always as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this episode with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and all your loved ones are safe and healthy, and I send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.